Good evening. It's seven o'clock and time now for In Context with Patrick Boynes. Well, good evening. It's great to have you with us again this Monday evening and welcome to In Context here on truthfm.uk. This is the radio show where we look at a passage of scripture and where we'll always aim to look at things within their context. You can find us here on internet radio by going to truthfm.uk or on the truth.fm app. Or maybe you're listening to this at a later time on a podcast. Well, however you got here, it is jolly good to have you with us once more. Yeah, my name is Patrick. I am a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. He's my teacher and I'm learning to follow him throughout life's journey. And as we've said before, we are on a journey each Monday evening, traveling through the writings of Luke. Last time we were together, we spent a while with two of those anticipating the salvation of God. One, we are told, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The other uh, was among those who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The latter, an elderly widow through whom the Spirit of God had spoken. The former, a devout gentleman who may or who may not have been elderly, upon whom the Holy Spirit rested. Well, as for the parents of the baby, Jesus, uh, the encounters must have been both moving and most memorable if not even a little disturbing, having been told by Simeon that this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." Well, Mary had every reason to wonder what on earth would happen next. Well, having concluded that episode by returning the family to Nazareth, Luke continues the story by bringing them back repeatedly to Jerusalem for one of the annual festivals when the city must have been heaving with huge crowds of festival goers. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. 
But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Luke mentions Jerusalem more times than all the other writers of the New Testament scriptures put together. And in his Gospel, he mentions Jerusalem almost as many times as the other three Gospel writers put together. Now he tells us that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. It seems highly unlikely that they would not have taken their children with them on such a journey each year, particularly as the journey was made with other relatives and acquaintances. It's, it's hard to imagine such an undertaking, a journey which would have taken three days, taking the direct route and about twice as long if avoiding travelling through Samaria. But this was very much the thing to do. And in light of the events which Luke records for us, this must have been a very communal affair in which everybody seems to have known everybody else. It seems hard for us to believe that they would not have ensured that the whole family were present as they set off from Jerusalem on their journey home, so whether Jesus somehow slipped away by himself or was simply assumed to be present, Luke doesn't say. All he does say is that the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents didn't know. The Feast of Passover, along with that of unleavened bread, was a celebration lasting for eight days. 
It's not particularly clear whether Joseph and Mary had been looking for Jesus for long on that first day of their journey home, but it seems likely that they only became fully aware of his absence as they came to the end of that first day's journey and were maybe making preparations for the night. Well, in the absence of street lighting, with which most of us are probably quite familiar, it's unlikely that they would have returned to Jerusalem that night, though I imagine the return journey would likely have been rather swift. I rather suspect that were I to have been there, I would have suggested to them that they first look for Jesus in the temple, but then I've read to the end of the book and um, they hadn't. And of course, if I had have been there, then I wouldn't be with you here this evening. Playing hide-and-seek is always easier when you know the location of the one who is hiding, isn't it? Hmm? Well, in light of it being three days before they found the boy, I rather suppose that they must have been looking um, in all the wrong places. You know, the sort of places to which a typical 12-year-old might have been attracted. Today, I suppose, you know, one might search the, the, the sweet shops, the playgrounds or amusement arcades and only look into the theological academies as a last resort. But then Jesus was not a typical 12-year-old boy. And Mary, of all people, knew this, but again, having not read to the end of the book, there was uh, maybe little way in which she could have anticipated all sorts of things which we have simply come to take for granted. Now, at twelve years of age, Jesus is beginning to make the transition into adulthood, at least as far as Jewish culture was concerned. There are and were differences of opinion as to what responsibilities one had at this stage, but some rabbis considered this the age at which vows would be seen as being binding and fasting expected to be sustained for a whole day. Uh, these were evidently matters of great importance to the rabbis. Luke refers to Jesus as being a boy, so still not yet an adult, but the, um, the transition has already begun. And though Jesus may well have grown familiar with surroundings of Jerusalem over the years, well, this year was different. Whatever he might have made of the city and the temple during his earlier years, he had now come to a greater understanding of their deeper significance. In many ways, I've often thought that it's quite remarkable that so little is known 
of the life of Jesus between his infancy and the beginning of his public service. Indeed, Luke is alone in recording this incident, which is the only story we have from those missing years. Were the Gospels intended to be simply biographies, well, we would surely have been told much more. But this is all we have. We're simply left to fill in the gaps ourselves and assume that, by and large, his life was much like those of his fellow countrymen. As for the bigger questions concerning his knowledge and understanding of who he was and of what his life would become, well, we can only speculate. And though we're told relatively little in this story, it does at least begin to answer some of those questions. As for the questions that he asked the teachers among whom he was found sitting, we have absolutely no idea, nor do we know the things which he heard and the answers which he gave to questions asked of him. Again, it's enough for us to know that he was there, and that he understood the there to be the house of his father, for that is where he must be. All there who heard him were amazed. His parents, when they found him, well, they were astonished. But he appears to have been completely at home. There within his father's house, he appears to be quite happy. He knew enough to know that he was the son of his father, and that his father, his true father, was Almighty God. That Mary and Joseph did not understand the saying that he spoke to them seems perhaps quite remarkable to us. And though we understandably wonder what Jesus knew and understood as he grew up, it's clear that his parents must have had an extremely difficult time making sense of much at all themselves. I mean, it's all very well for us today, having access to a great deal of advice, some useful and some maybe not so useful, both in books and online and, you know, advice on how to raise children. But there's much less material available on how to raise the Son of God. I mean, there's just so little call for it. Ah, well, that already is the sound of the mission bell, meaning that it's our mission segment of the week. I don't know, it feels as if we've only just got started, but it is nonetheless time to consider what implications for mission there might be in the passage we're looking into this evening. And remember, when we think of mission, we want always to be 
thinking first of the mission of God and then consider our place within his mission. As we've probably said before, and I suspect we'll say it again, it's not the people of God who have a mission, it's the mission of God that has a people. And it's not only important for us to understand that the mission is God's mission, it's also important to have an understanding of what that mission is, both in general and also in more personal terms. As we find Jesus there in the temple in Jerusalem, there in his father's house, we learn something of the understanding of this growing lad himself. Evidently, he knew who he was. He understood at least something of his relationship to the God of all heaven and earth, the God of Israel. But what did he know of his mission, of anything that lay before him? I think it seems difficult to imagine that he might then have been aware that some 20 years later he would be walking through these same streets of Jerusalem carrying a cross of execution. It's even more difficult to imagine that he might have then foreseen his destruction of that same city and temple by the hand of the occupying Roman forces a generation later. But we do know that he knew what mattered most. We do know that he knew who he was, that God was his father, and that before all else, he must grow in his knowledge and understanding of him. I remember as a young lad observing aspects of the religion of my parents, asking questions and seeing through a good deal of what I was told. I remember thinking how ridiculous were some of the answers that I was given, and at times shocked by the lack of respect that the religious leaders had for the Word of God. Just a couple of days ago, during the, the coronation of King Charles III and his Queen Camilla, the king was presented with a, um, a Bible and with these words. To keep you ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God, as the rule for the whole life and government of Christian princes, receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world has to offer. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. 
I don't know whether you were tuned in and listened to those words and, uh, well, the whole experience was really rather fascinating, wasn't it? And uh, uh, do with it whatever you will. I know that uh, for many, these may have just been ceremonial words with you know, little relevance to real life, but they are nonetheless profound. The Bible is the most valuable thing that this world affords. And these are the lively oracles of God. Now, I understand that many of those involved in the ceremony might simply have been going through the motions, as it were, and have had you know, little regard for the scriptures. And that may uh, well be true of the religious leaders present. As a teenager, I remember religious leaders of a youth group of which I was a part making it clear that the Bible had no relevance in matters of morality. Really? Yeah, I remember that well, hearing, hearing, uh, uh, hearing that being told to me. And I, I don't suppose that Jesus was for one moment taken in by the pretense and hypocrisy of much of the religion of, uh, 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 of his people. But he was learning of the scriptures. He was listening to the, uh, uh, the teachers and questioning them on matters to do with the law. And I suspect that... Um, well, I suspect that these teachers had a much greater knowledge of the scriptures than most do in our day, even though they may not have understood them as much as the young visitor in their presence. But here's the thing. If we ourselves are to engage in the mission of God, we need to understand who he is. And then we need to understand who we are in relation to him. To understand our place in the mission of God, we must first come to know him and then understand who we really are in light of our understanding of God. And here in this passage, this isn't the only time that we will see Jesus taking himself away to be in the presence of his Father, for that is in essence what he's doing here. Often we will see him taking time aside to be alone in the presence of his Father, because he knows that that's really what it's all about. It was never simply about going to Jerusalem or going to the temple or going to church. It was always about going to the Father. It was always about growing in our knowledge and understanding of the Father and learning what it is to live in his presence. If the mission of God has to do with his desire to live in a loving relationship with those whom he's created in his image, then we must learn to 
live in his presence if we're going to be a part of that mission ourselves today. We, we must grow in our knowledge and understanding of God. And to do that, we must devote ourselves to the word he has given us. Maybe we don't need to do something as dramatic as stay behind in Jerusalem to listen to the teachers in the temple. But we really do need to take time aside, uh, often. And to take time aside, often in the presence of Almighty God, to, to, to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the Father. But if we do go missing, huh? well, maybe that would be a good place for them to look. And where else could the son have been? Of course he must have been in his father's house. Where else? And where else could we ever wish to be other than in the presence of our father today? We really do need to be spending time with him in personal and private devotion with him, speaking to him, listening to him, reading his word, not simply so that we might know more, that we might learn more scripture, but so that we might learn of him, that we might grow to know him more fully, and not only grow to know him more fully, but understand him more fully. As we've maybe often read before from the most well-known psalm of all, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is where we also must be. In fact, why don't we listen to the last verse of that psalm, Psalm 23, being sung, as I used to sing to my children each night before they went to sleep when they were uh, when they were young and before they realized that i couldn't really sing let's listen to a, a recording of that last verse <laughs> Never will I tire of those words, how beautiful they are. 
just as Jesus must have been in his Father's house, might we always be found dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, learning of him, growing to know him and understand him more fully each day, for then might we be fully engaged in the work he has for us to do. How beautiful are those words. Well, as we come to the end of this week's edition of In Context, why don't you let me know your thoughts? Um, you can message us on Facebook. You can uh, look out for the truthfm.uk page when you're there. You can tweet us at uh, truthfm.uk or you can email me at Patrick at truthfm.uk. I'd love to hear from you. Um, wouldn't that be delightful? And if you have anything, particularly questions, any comments, anything, yeah, let me know and we can, uh, uh, we can use them in a, a future edition. But until next week, let me wish for you God's richest blessings. May he bless each one of us so that we might be a blessing to those among whom we live. And might we always be found dwelling in our Father's house. Thank you for being with us again today. Mm -hmm.